Hello and welcome to church today. My name is Mike Signorelli and I'm the lead pastor here at V1 Church and I sincerely wanna welcome everyone who's tuning in around the world. Drop a comment and let us know where you're watching from because we have greeters who are anxiously awaiting your comment so that they can heart it and comment back and make you feel at home because even if you're at home, you are in your spiritual home when this broadcast is going out. I wanna shout out our Dominican Republic family uh, who are in a watch party right now. I wanna shout out the three new watch parties that launched in Indiana as they are just awaiting a weekly launch for V1 Indiana. I wanna shout out all of our friends who are watching in California where somehow over 30% of all of our views started to come out of. How many of you know that the West Coast is ripe for harvest and revival right now? And so drop a comment right now, and I wanna ask you if you would do your part in being a digital evangelist. Many of you may be asking, well, what can I do to get up off the bench, Pastor Mike? I wanna serve the local church. How can I serve? Serve with a share. Serve with a text message right now. If you're a part of 50 Facebook groups, even if it's a mommy's group in your local neighborhood, go ahead and share this service into it right now because some moms, I just see it spiritually, are gonna start weeping because they are in a collision course with destiny and they need this word too. You know, the Bible says those who spare, uh, those who sow sparingly, reap sparingly, but those who give generously, they also receive generously. And so if you're always like, I need a word, I need a word for my life, give words away to others and you'll get more for yourself. So every time I'm asking you to share this broadcast, come on, I'm saying it again because some of you didn't do it yet. I'm actually giving you access to a kingdom principle by which you will receive more of God's word in your own life because we, we give to get. So go ahead and share this message. And I wanna make an announcement. This is part one of our new series entitled Movement Makers. Can we celebrate that? Come on, Movement Makers. Last week was a tremendous week as we watched so many of you ignited with the fire of the Holy Spirit, getting fresh vision for what's possible in your home and in your region and your neighborhood. And so as we have taken this next step, I wanna teach you how to step in. Let me ask you a question. Is your money funny? <laughs> Let me ask you a better way. Do you feel stuck like you're not advancing into the next thing? Do you feel like somehow financially I'm always held back? Do you feel like you're held back in relationship? Pastor Mike, I don't know the right people. I don't have access to the right relationships to step in. Do you feel like you're in the messy middle? You know the messy middle where you say, thank God I'm not where I used to be, but God, I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Anybody in the messy middle, guess what? I'm gonna teach you today how to cross over. Oh, snaps, y'all didn't hear me. You gotta put in the chat right now, crossover. I'm gonna teach you how to cross over out of the messy middle come on into the miraculous future that God has for you. And I'm gonna show you in scripture how God plainly shows us how to cross over, how to cross over. I've been in that situation where I felt like, man, I am doing everything I think is the right thing to do, but I'm stuck in this situation. But God gives us wisdom in scripture to teach us how to cross over. 
All right, one more announcement. May 16th. Everybody say May 16th. May 16th is a defining moment in your life. May 16th is a defining moment in the history of V1 Church because I need you to mark your calendars. God has set it up so that on May 16th, he's gonna draw you into the conclusion of this series and the beginning of the next season in your life, May 16th. And I need you to make a commitment that each Sunday leading up to May 16th, that you're saying, Pastor Mike, I'm taking notes, I'm learning the scriptures, I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, and I'm, I'm listening not just on a brain level, but I'm listening on a spirit level. You know, we've got to pray for spiritual ears to hear the things that the natural ears do not hear, or you will miss it. Can I get an amen? The Bible says that there is a circumcision of the ears. You know what that means? It means that your own agenda, your own will, your own plans, they have this overgrowth on your ears that will prevent you from hearing God's agenda for your life, God's will and God's plan. So we have to circumcise even our ears. I know that sounds crazy. I got your attention now though, didn't I? But you've gotta cut away that stinking flesh so that you can hear what God has for you. And it might take you by surprise, but there is a defining moment for you, May 16th. My, 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 I wish you could see what I see in the spirit realm right now. Some of you have prayed your whole life for what you're about to step into right now. Some of you have fasted in other seasons, and at the conclusion of that fasting, maybe you lost some weight, but you didn't gain the vision that you had in the Spirit. Some of you guys have spent many, many years writing things down and journaling them prophetically, and you could say, Pastor Mike, this is my prophetic journal, but you feel like you're never gonna see it come to pass. I'm telling you, you are about to step into those days. Does somebody feel it rumbling on the inside? Now is the time. There's these defining moments in our life. I remember when I proposed marriage to Julie uh, in a Chicago restaurant called Orso's. I made it look like the Goodfellas moment. I had the piano player playing in the background. She said yes, praise God. I remember the other defining moments in my life, like the first day of school, and you meet all your new classmates. I remember leaving for college and being the first generation college student on both sides of my family and all the uncertainty that that had. I remember buying our first home in Valparaiso, Indiana against all the odds. Um, I actually remember my first car I bought for $600 off of a drug addict on my block. <laughs> and I remember being 15 years old and, and he said, it was, it was, he wanted $1,000 from it. And I said, I'll give you 600. He said, no, I, I, I can't go that low. I said, I'll be back. <laughs> but my first car and that sense of freedom that I had as I drove that thing down the road, there's these defining moments in our lives. But there's also defining spiritual moments where you come through this long season of waiting, this long season of expectation, this long season of dreaming, this long season of hoping, this long season of planning. Come on to somebody, am I speaking into something? Some of you have been through a long season. There was a man by the name of Joshua who went through a long season of frustration under Moses' leadership. Have you ever served under a Moses? 
and you're like, man, I want to go kill some giants, but this guy's so worried about the opinions of people that it stopped him from moving into the promise. Come on, somebody. And we have in Joshua chapter one, the end of a long season. And now Joshua begins to step in and and now he has to actually get on the other side of frustrations because instead of being able to blame Moses, now he's the man. (laughs) See, sometimes if you're in a long season of waiting, when it comes time to shift into gear, you get a shock by reality because you've been so used to waiting that your body doesn't even know what moving feels like. You ever see when somebody comes out of a coma, they don't jump and run out of the bed. They get rehabilitated back to walking. Some of you have been waiting for so long that I've got to take the next couple weeks and rehabilitate you back to walking because you forgot what movement felt like, but you are a movement maker. Joshua chapter one, verse two. Verse two says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, Do the thing that looks impossible. Do the thing your leader before you never did. Watch. You and all this people. Somebody say all. The promise of God on your life always includes an all, A-L-L. Because if you cross the finish line alone, you still disqualified yourself in this race. The next move of God is not gonna be just a couple of fancy preachers with all the right words and great sneakers. The next move of God is actually gonna be when all the kingdom crosses over together and single moms are prophesying with power. Come on, somebody. Do you hear me? Somebody who just came out of uh, of sin is gonna rise up and begin to preach with power under the boldness of the Holy Spirit. And he said this to Joshua, this time all of you take all his people to the land which I am giving to them to the sons of Israel. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. When you are walking out God's call for your life, you walk in his favor and you walk in his strength. When you are walking out God's call in your life, you walk in favor and you walk in strength. Does anybody believe in supernatural favor? So when Joshua was called by God to move, to cross over, to become a movement maker and take everybody with him. There was a favor on his life from moving in that direction. Some of you have felt what it's like to move without favor, but those days are over. These are the days of favor. Joshua chapter one, verse three and nine. Every place, come on, somebody say every place. I know you can hear everybody in the room on production, but I, when I hear every place, I hear somebody in South Africa saying, right here in South Africa. When I hear every place, I hear Seattle, Washington. When I hear every place, I hear London. See, there's something dangerous about this sermon if you'll let me unpack it, because this movement is about to be a global movement. Every place which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. Moses didn't see it. He heard it, but didn't see it. You're going to hear it again, and you're going to see it for the first time. Some of you came out of churches where pastors prophesied about a coming move of God, and they're dead and gone like Moses. They never saw it, but you are about to see it with your life, not because it's going to happen and you participate, but because you're going to start it and cause other people to participate. Does anybody believe it? Do I have any movement makers here? Verse four, from the wilderness 
and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea towards the setting of the sun will be your territory. Verse five, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. Just as I was with Billy Graham, who's now dead and gone, I'll be with you, movement maker. Just as I was with Kim Clement, as he was a global prophetic voice, and now his voice has been silenced by passing on, I will be with you, says the Lord, as you release your prophetic voice into the earth. Just as I was with Reinhard Bonnke, who stood in front of millions in Africa and declared stadium Christianity and the bigness of God, so will I be with you, evangelist, as you make my name great in the earth, just as Reinhard Bonnke did, because you You are a movement maker, and I'm going to keep declaring it until you start believing it. Some of you don't believe it yet. You think your destiny is to work at a grocery store? You think that your destiny is what you have right in front of you? Smith Wigglesworth wasn't a plumber. He was a miracle-working man of God. Under the sound of his voice, the dead rose and came back to life. And as far as I'm concerned, resurrection power still exists. Does anybody want to put it on display with me? You've been called to be a movement maker. You know, God told me to tell you that you're about to be released from one of the biggest hindrances that you've had. Do you want to know what it is? Money has stopped the movement. Can I get into your business for a few minutes? But you're here to cross over. See, many of us know the stories and we've seen them in the news too frequently of another pastor misappropriating the finances of the church. Some of you have come out of ministries where you've seen that happen because of the improprieties, because of the lack of integrity, because of the lack of oversight, because of the lack of of accountability. Money has stopped the movement. And some of us think that the things of God are going to be done without money, but we forget the stories of Jesus saying, hey, go into the fish's mouth and take a coin out of the fish's mouth to pay taxes. Give God what's God's, but give Caesar what's Caesar. And we're content with giving Caesar or the United States government what they have coming to them, but not giving God what's God's. And money is holding up the movement. Can I just tell you as somebody who was raised in poverty, money equals access. The more money you have, the more access you have. And so this isn't a conversation about money at all. It's a conversation about limited access. Did you know growing up, I had never been on a plane until I was 19 years old because my family didn't have money because it requires more money to go on a plane than it does to take a car ride to the grocery store. The farther the distance, the higher the cost. The shorter the distance, the lower the cost. If we are saying that God is about to make a global movement, there's a high cost connected to that. Can I get an amen? But he wants to release access. When I was 19 years old, I got on the plane for the very first time as a grown adult. And I remember having the feeling of like, wow, I think I know how high off the ground we really are. And this is really weird. Because I was being given access to an experience I couldn't afford previously. And the Lord told me to tell you that he is going to give you access as he frees you in the area of your finances. So here's step one for your notes. 
because I'm going to teach you how. Joshua ended up stepping into the promised land, becoming a movement maker. He took the whole nation of Israel with him, but the way it happened was very intentional. It didn't happen on accident. It didn't happen just because Joshua said yes. It happened because Joshua was was faithful to the formula that was required to access the promise. So do you wanna know the formula? Can I just show you in scripture what we see? Step one, set our hearts to seek and to hear God. Write that down, step one. We set our hearts to seek and to hear God. Some of you are stuck because you've never set your heart to seek and hear God about things in your life. If you ask God to speak into the area that you're stuck in right now, you'll be surprised by what he says. And some of us, I think, you know, on the surface, I could just teach you a message about tithing. But if you don't ask God directly to speak to you, then you'll never get it because you'll know it in your head, but your heart will be hardened every time you give. But if you say, God, what do you say about my finances? Because the way I did it got me here, limited access. But the way that you want to take me is going to give me unlimited resources and access. So I'm going to set my hearts to seek and to hear you. The money has stopped the movement for so long. It stopped it in the church. It stopped it in your your life. You know, everyone makes money, but we are called to make a movement. Can I just say that again? Everybody makes money, but we're not called to make money. We're called to make a movement in this generation. We live in a time where Christianity is prevalent but powerless. You ask people on Long Island, are you a Christian? Yeah, I I went to a Catholic school, I'm a Christian. Uh, Wrong. (laughs) You ask people in Tulsa, Oklahoma, are you a Christian? Oh yeah, my mom made me go to church, I'm a Christian. Uh, Wrong. Christianity is prevalent but it's powerless. We need to bring back power into Christianity. And money is the byproduct of walking in divine direction, in divine order, in divine favor. Jesus was not poor. I can't get down with the poverty gospel. Jesus was not poor. Can I just say that a little bit louder? He was able to provide for a traveling 13-man ministry under Roman occupation. And scholars believe that the garments that he wore were so nice that that's the reason why they cast lots to see who could take them home. Jesus was not poor. And I'm also not talking about prosperity gospel either that says that God wants to bless you just so that you can have whatever your heart desires. But I believe that when you align your heart with what God's heart desires, there will be a prosperity that flows through that, not to make money, but to make movements where the captives can be set free. Come on, and those who are in darkness can be brought into the marvelous light of his saving grace. And it's gonna take money for a movement. And that's why you've been attacked in the area of money. I'm not getting a lot of amens because it's probably convicting you, but I cannot tell you you're about to get unstuck and you are gonna cross over today. Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. You know, 
we've quoted that scripture at every revival, but we've never included how we spend our money in the category of wicked ways. Okay, do you still love me? If we will turn from our wicked ways, oh God, I'll stop looking at pornography. And he's like, okay, we're gonna deal with that, but can you change the way you, you spend your money because that's wicked too. I'm telling you, I'm about to get you unstuck and you're gonna be so grateful for this sermon by the time I'm done. See, the thing is, the book of Leviticus is often skipped over. But if you would read the book of Leviticus, if you would go in depth into the book of Leviticus, if you would try to understand why there's hundreds of rules and regulations, you would actually see that there is a loving kindness of God. There is an intentionality. In the book of Leviticus, we have countless verses about the valuation of a hired laborer, how long that we hold wages, how much we give to the poor, how much money we give towards the temple. And we have all these scriptures in the book of Leviticus because turning from our wicked ways includes turning from managing our money in a way that is blocking the movement that God is willing through our lives. We are going to cross over because when we say, God, forgive us for our wicked ways, what we're saying is when I open my bank account online and look at my app, you can tell that I was making a movement for the kingdom. Is that convicting? For far too long, we've read that scripture included, excluded wickedness in the way that we spend. Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I am God. Watch, I will be exalted among the nations and I will be lifted up and exalted in the earth. We often quote that when we go through tragedy, be still and know that I am God, selfishly, but it actually says, be still and know that I am God, I will be lifted up among the nations. And so what we do is we say, God, I'm going through this. I'm going through it financially. And he says, be still, exalt me in your finances and know that I am God. God, God, I, I, I'm going through all this stuff with this guy. And I, it's so, man, this relationship is ripping my heart apart. And he says, be still, exalt me in your relationship above him, above your sexuality, above your emotional needs. Exalt me high above all that. And then you'll know that I am God. This, the peace that comes from being still actually comes from exalting God into the number one place. I want to tell you a story about Mallory and Ryan who lead our kids department. How many of you guys know and love Mallory and Ryan? Mallory, if you're watching right now, I love you. She's my little sister. And uh, Ryan is like my, my little brother-in-law. Can I tell you a crazy prophetic story? A year before the global pandemic started, I was in a pastoral mentoring session with them. And, you know, sometimes I'm her brother, sometimes I'm her pastor. In that meeting, I was like, I'm Pastor Mike to you, Mallory. And I'm speaking into Mallory and Ryan, speaking into their marriage. And I went to go pray for them. And as I prayed, I, I saw this vision of this global drought. And it terrified me what I saw. And I said, Okay, guys, I, I know you trust me as your pastor, but I need to speak something prophetically. I see a global drought financially. I see things getting really, really bad. I don't know when it's gonna happen, and I'm not prophesying doom and gloom, but I believe that God gives wisdom through prophecy so we know how we should act. 
So I said, I want you guys to begin to save your money like you've never saved before. Because they had a budget that he had, you know, Ryan leading in his home is, was already tithing and giving 10% of his income on the gross to V1 Church. He was all already saving and then he was already spending his money as wisely as he could. And I said, you've got to find some margin to save beyond that because I see something happening globally. And Ryan, and I want to give him honor, he wrote that prophetic word in his journal. And he said, okay, and, and even though she's blood related to me as my sister, Mallory said, we need to honor this, what, what the Lord said through Pastor Mike. But I said, I got more. I said, I see you swimming like a salmon against the stream and you're fighting the struggle against the stream. But God is going to, if you're faithful to steward your finances, continue to, continue to tithe, continue to save, save to a greater extent. Then all of a sudden, I see the waters reversing their order and where you are fighting against stream, I see God launching you like a rocket. Like I saw this vision of a salmon just getting launched. So all of a sudden, a couple of weeks ago, Ryan calls me laughing. And he said, you probably forgot but number one, a year before the global pandemic, you prophesied a global pandemic, which freaked me out when it happened because I was like, okay, Lord, you are with Mike. But he said, we were faithful to save and I lost my job during the pandemic and never even felt it because I was faithful to tithe and to save, like you said. He goes, but here's the crazier story. I applied for another job. I got that job and that job was gonna make $20,000 more than I'm making now. I went to go tell my employer that I was leaving and they said, we will give you another five grand beyond that to stay. So I now make $25,000 more a year at the same job. That, that's like a double, that's like having another job on top of your job. Come on. Because why? He was in a place where he sought God. He came to me with his wife and said, we want to hear the voice of God. We want to discern his voice. That is what's required to cross over. But then he put obedience to what he heard. And then he survived a pandemic. And then he got a double increase in the area of finances. So here's step two. When God speaks, when we seek, he calls us to surrender. When God speaks, when we seek, he calls us to surrender. Joshua chapter three, verse six. And Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. So the Ark of the Covenant is old covenant representation of the very manifest presence of God. To touch the Ark of the Covenant without permission was instant death. So he said, take the Ark of the Covenant because the Jordan River that's impossible to cross over, we will cross over. But first, before the miracle happens, I need you to pass before the people with the presence of God. Oh, I wish you would hear this revelation. So they take up the Ark of the Covenant and they pass before the people. There's two things that I want you to get from what I just said. Number one, leaders go first. Leaders go first. Before 
I ever preached this message, I went to the leaders of V1 Church and said, V1 has to own real estate and buildings now to begin to move into this movement. And I said, the leaders go first. And I said, let's take up the Ark of the Covenant. Let's take the presence of God and pass before the people. And I can tell you this, from California to the space at Westbury in New York, the presence of God like the Ark of the Covenant passed over the people to see how real this movement is. Can I get an amen? What you guys didn't know what was happening was leaders go first. We committed our finances first. We committed to the vision of owning a building first. We, we said, we're gonna take the presence of the ark and we're gonna pass by. And what I saw at the space of Westbury was dozens upon dozens of people manifesting demons. I saw dozens of people get medically verifiable miracles. I saw children get saved and come into the knowledge of Christ with their own family because leaders go first. When Joshua is willing, God speaks, God affirms, and God moves. And what's getting ready to happen is going to be so wild that God's going to have to tell you to do it. The days of me trying to convince you to tithe are over. The days of me trying to convince you to do anything for God is over. But when God tells you to sell your house, you'll sell it. When God tells you to cash out your stocks and bonds, you'll cash them out. When God tells you to do it, you'll be in the crossroads where you'll have to decide, this is no longer between me and a man. This is between me and God. And what's getting ready to happen is some Joshua's are gonna rise up who are gonna say, I was under Moses' leadership and every single week I was chomping at the bit waiting to be released well come on Joshua you've been released now what you gonna do it's just like when you go to New York City and they're playing chess and whenever there's a timed chess piece that a, a timed chess match they have a clock and when they move the piece they hit the clock and when they tap the clock that's their way of saying okay it's your turn see right now you are in Kronos there's a chronological timeline to human existence. And right now what happened is God just made his move. Oh, I feel the anointing. God just made his move and he tapped the timer and he's looking at you right now and saying, it's your turn now. It's your move now. It's your, I anointed you. Now you gotta get up and speak under that anointing. I called you. Now you gotta get ready to run into your calling. It's your move now. Joshua, get ready. Get ready, two full Easter services in a pandemic. Did you guys see the space at Westbury? People came from three states, hungry, three states away, literally renting hotels during a pandemic because the hunger inside of them is so palpable and real. In Indiana, my sister, Sarah, who lives in Hobart, sends me a video says do little there's a line outside of your church in Hobart because we're hungry here in Indiana we got this new venue that we just installed the good news is we don't have to keep unplugging and plugging our equipment the bad news is we don't fit anymore 
five services across three locations pre-pandemic where we had teams of people setting up chairs. I had to have a pastor on Long Island give me 40 more chairs because a movie theater was not enough to hold us in Queens. We broke every boundary they told us we couldn't because we're not Presbyterian. We're some powerful preachers who know how to get the job done. Jeremiah 29, 11. I want to show you the depths of this scripture. 11 verse 14, because only verse 11 makes the bumper sticker. But let me give you the rest. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. But here's verse 12. This never makes the bumper sticker. Then you will call upon me and you will come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Oh God, prosper me, but I don't want to pray. Get out of here with that. Prosper me, but I don't want to seek you. Get out of here with that. Prosper me, but I only want to give you three-fourths of my heart. But I want to give pornography a piece. I want to give the relationships a piece. I want to give dead religion a piece of my heart. Because it's nostalgic to think about the days of old. And a divided heart will never prosper under a unified body of Christ. It's time to seek with all. All. See, Jeremiah 29 11 is the promise that can only be produced by a prayer movement. <laughs> Jeremiah 29 11 is a promise that can only be produced by a prayer moment. Seek me with all your heart. You know, it's funny because when we founded V1 Church, it was actually because I read the story of Caleb. Caleb and Joshua were going into the promised land and it said that Caleb he said, we are well able. We can take these giants out. We can tear everything up that we need to tear up. I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed. I'm bold. I can do it. And the Bible says that Caleb had a different spirit. You know what, V1? We might be tattooed and pierced. Our breath might smell like alcohol from the night before. We might not know proper theology. We might have a couple of divorces under our belt. We might have pulled a needle out of our arm a year ago, but we have a different spirit and we believe we are well able oh we believe that all things are possible oh we may not have a lot of money but we're movement makers who's gonna put everything on the burn pile and say God let it burn before you let them come from miles and miles away to see the fire that we set upon all the idolatry of a life that we gave up to serve you let it all burn before you God let everything that's not like you burn up because I got a different spirit and that word in Hebrew, it actually means wholehearted, wholehearted, wholehearted. This is not a message to teach you, teach you how to tithe. It's a message to teach you how to die. Because when you're still alive and you're still kicking and screaming, God can't drag you to the promised land. You have to bury yourself. You have to die because only resurrected people can walk into this next step. If you still think that the things that are in your budget matter more than the movement of God, you can't come to this next step. This is not a message about how to tithe, it's a message about how to die. I was never gonna be a good husband while I was still alive. But when I died to self, I learned how to love my wife without an agenda or a motive or a critique. 
I never was gonna be a good preacher while I was alive, but when I died to my own will and my own desires, there's a resurrection power that began to flow out of my words. This is not a message about how to tithe. This is a message about how to die. And I wanna ask now who's willing to go live with me? Who's willing to go die with me? Because that's how you make a movement. Dead man walking, dead man walking. You guys live for these desires. You wanna show people on Instagram what you've got. I wanna show people on Instagram silver and gold. Have I none but what I give you I give you in the name of Jesus rise up and walk I want to put power on display not the prosperity of man on display and so if you're a movement maker I wish you would start putting in the chat right now I'm with you pastor Mike I'm with you 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 come on that's all I got surrender trust I want to close this thing out with a prayer right now because I'm telling you <laughs> It's about to get crazy. We're movement makers. The men and will, women of the previous generation are gone. And now they're asking, will you do it? Will you do it? Will you stand? Can I tell you one more thing? 30 second story. When I sold my house and gave away a third of all my possessions to come launch V1 Church, I was in prayer and I remember telling God how good I felt about myself. Man, God, I'm a real one. And God says, no, you just did the fundamentals now because I require this level of sacrifice from all disciples. This is why much of, of what we have programmed in us is evangelical 20th and 21st century Christianity. It's not biblical. It's not biblical. And he says, no, 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 you just did the fundamentals. Now, you did what I asked you to do. That just makes you obedient. That doesn't make you that special yet. And what I'm asking you, if you're not tithing already, if you're not even, if that's not even in your budget, that's just obedience. That's just giving back to God what he already had coming to him, what he already deserved. I'm asking for sacrificial giving. Sacrificial is when it costs you. And I remember I kept dialoguing with the Holy Spirit. And he said, do you believe that I own everything? And I said, yes, Lord, I do believe you own everything. He says, no, no, you don't. I said, God, yes, I do. You own a cattle on a thousand hills. All the gold and the silver, it's all yours. And he said, if you truly did believe it's all mine, you would quit trying to discern what to hold on to and, to, and what to put on the altar. Put everything on the altar and let me tell you what you can take back. And I said, Lord, I don't, I don't believe it's all yours, but I want to believe. How do I get there? What a profound moment. Hey, Michael, put everything on the altar and then let me tell you what to take back. Stop putting on the altar just what you want to put on the altar. Put everything on the altar and then I'll tell you what you can take back. My music career, he didn't let me take it back. <laughs> Hanging out with my friends is a high price for low living. I didn't get some of those friends back when I put it on the altar. But I'll tell you what I did get, a new life, true discipleship. Right now, I want you to ask the Lord to begin to show you what he wants from you. And we're gonna pray, I'm done. Actually, tomorrow starts a journey as a church. Our whole church is gonna go on a one month long journey of consecration. 
We're going to go on a one, before we go into Canaan, before the promised land, we're just going to go on a one-month journey of seeking, asking, letting him speak. Some major things are going to shift. Some of you watching me, the Lord's going to tell you to literally move to New York to be a part of V1 Church. He's actually going to say that to some people. Move to New York. Don't try to figure it out. Just come. There's some of you, the Lord's actually going to say, move to Indiana to be a part of V1 India. I don't know what he's going to say, but I'm telling you, in the next 30 days, the Lord is going to speak divinely, divinely to you, and he's going to disciple you into the real kingdom living. Not none of this fluff that we were raised in, not none of this hype that makes you feel good, and you're able to walk out of the service, and you leave the same way you were, but it tickled your emotions. I'm talking about real movement makers that cross over past mediocrity into the greatness that God destined. And that's only defined as by great sacrifice. Greatness is defined by great sacrifice in the kingdom. So let's do this right now. Just close your eyes. If you're watching in a watch party right now, just forget about the people around you. If you're watching at our Queens HQ right now, just, just close your eyes, Long Island HQ. If you're watching around the world, come on, just let the Lord do this. Father, we seek you. We ask what you would require of us, what you would ask of us. God, you see our hearts before you lay bare without pretense. And God, we say that we want to be the real wild ones. God, whatever you would do, do it through me. I'm surrendered. Come on, put it in the chat if you have to vocalize it out loud. Just put it, I'm surrendered. I surrender, God. I give up trying to fight my spouse, trying to fight my job and my career. I, I give up trying to strategize. I get, give up trying to even strive. I'm going to be still and exalt you so that I will know that you are God. Father, speak. I want to just leave 30 seconds right now as the band still continues to play. Just 30 seconds. And I want to facilitate a moment right now before we even go to part two of this series where you just allow the Holy Spirit to speak, even for those of you on production here. Just let him speak to you. You're a movement maker. Be encouraged. You're here for such a time as this. Anointed, appointed, chosen, a royal priesthood. Come on, for many are called, but few are chosen. I believe the chosen ones are listening right now. So Father, we listen to your voice. Come on, just take 30 seconds and let him speak before we sing again.